Welcome to the Creative Curmudgeon. Today, we will be having a sit-down discussion with filmmaker Ben Kitnick. I first met Ben a decade ago when he made a short documentary on Phoenix legend Space Alien Donald. And Ben has since directed a series of short movies and music videos and has recently released his first full-length feature, a documentary on Beanie Baby culture entitled The Beanie Bubble, which I highly recommend to anyone that's listening. It's available on all sorts of internet stuff for rent, and it is it is a must-see. Ben, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me, Jason. Um, So I don't know if I ever told you this, but when I first started going to college, I went to SCC for a semester hoping to be a filmmaker. I studied film. I don't remember any of it because it was like 50 years ago, but I uh, realized that between the resources needed, the people needed, the money, and the um, amount of commitment that my ADHD riddled brain would need to put towards a particular project for long periods of time that it didn't seem particularly doable for me specifically. And I'm curious with you, why film? Like, why would you deal with this hassle? Yeah, I mean, I I don't, uh, it's a hard question. I grapple with a lot, but yeah, I mean, I think uh, for me, there was always kind of, the plan from as long as I can remember like it was weirdly in my head was always the practical thing to do because there just kind of was no other no other answer um yeah I I guess I it's just kind of like a way of experience I mean you know documentaries is kind of like how I came up um and I still make a lot of documentaries and it was a way if we're talking about like amount of people and the it's a way to just kind of like have these life experiences and follow interesting people and interesting subjects um, where you don't necessarily need a ton of people or budget or be to be an amazing writer yet or any of these things. You kind of just need a really something that piques your interest that you can follow around. And, and maybe after you make it, you know, most of the time that's when I figure out, Oh, those are the themes. That's why I was interested in making that, you know, it kind of opens up like the ideas I see. So you don't go into it with like a manifesto in mind of what you're trying to say, but then afterwards you kind of like learn yeah. about yourself a little bit, a, a little more. I think it depends. I mean, you know, the the more things I make, the more I understand, you know, like my certain creative leanings or reasons why I might go about doing a project. But um, it's usually just like scratching the surface. By the end, that's when I, it kind of hits me where I'm like, oh, those are the themes that I was interested in and a lot of times at least in terms of documentaries it's kind of what like makes the cut in the end you know like i'm just at first i'm kind of just making selections of my my favorite material we filmed and favorite interview bits and and then i try and like piece together a story off of that and then based on those you know favorite moments that's kind of when i realized what the what the themes were mm-hmm. um, yeah did you have any particular influences uh getting you into documentaries or filmmaking in general i mean influences it's funny like i guess it's easier to just kind of track like why why i went about maybe documentaries to begin with because you know i i definitely have some like you know film influences you like you know a lot of you know famous american directors like 
you know, the Coen brothers or Paul Thomas Anderson, things like that, that blew my mind when I was, you know, like a teenager and it, sure. you know, really was like, Oh, this is, this is what I want to do. But then, you know, things, yeah, I started to like delve into like Todd salons and, you know, people like that where I, I started yeah, the lighter to- stuff. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, you know, I was just so interested in like how to kind of thread the needle between maybe some like challenging work, but to make it uh, palatable at the same time. Um, So, you know, like in terms of those, there were a lot of filmmakers um, like narratively that were super influential, but I I didn't feel confident. I mean, like when we met, man, I was like, I was uh, 19, 20. It's like, I, I wasn't planning on making documentaries necessarily, even though I really enjoyed them. It was just, I, I didn't have any confidence in myself as a writer yet. Um, You know, didn't have, uh you know great crew or you know all, all these uh you know they're just or a budget period really for anything you know i was in college but mm-hmm. you know i i knew if phoenix is filled with really interesting people um that you know are maybe a little uh they i guess like hollywood hasn't uh really tapped into you know i mean i'm in la now and it feels like every interesting person already has some sort of a deal with some you know filmmaker someone's already making a movie um and yeah phoenix was kind of the perfect place to like find really interesting people and just follow them around with a camera and just you know once it felt like there was enough footage then try and find the story what was there there's a lot of there's a lot of weirdos in phoenix that are weird in a particular way and people that i've known that have lived in you know places like portland or places where there's like a more famously like a weirdo scene or whatever it seems like they were weirdos in a more uh, comfortable sort of like watered down way. I don't know that this is across the board. Like, I don't want anyone from Portland to be mad at me because like, I don't totally know what I'm talking about. This is like other people's points of view. But where it's like with Phoenix, you have to like, you know, you're, you're, you don't necessarily have the same support system to be weird. And so like, you right. So it becomes all the more, I mean, like I'm, you know, I think it was really interesting creatively to grow up in a place that it was great to grow up in a city where you could find community, but one that wasn't so massive that, you know, you weren't able to, to develop on your own time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, you know, yeah, I think like in some of these other places they're supposedly uh, you know, weird for whatever for whatever that means. It's like there it's there's a level of just like you know, I don't know, inauthentic branding or something that I I, I guess we're just kind of riffing here and yeah, I don't mean to offend uh, everyone in every other state, but I I do think that like there's something about people that you know in a place like Arizona that you know, it's surrounded by uh, in a conservative state that I think is kind of just a pressure co- cooker for, you know, even more, uh, I don't know, uniqueness, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. I've noticed for me personally that it's become a lot harder to watch movies than it used to be. In my teens, I watched movies all the time. I could sit through, you know, two hours and 40 minutes or whatever of Pulp Fiction no problem um it's become a lot more difficult in recent years um and i don't know if that's just because everybody's attention span is just like gone to crap and a lot of people i've noticed that it's like easier for people to watch long uh tv shows even though 
like you know it's like four seasons like obviously it's way longer than a movie but it feels like there's less pressure because it's like broken up maybe um i'm curious if you've experienced anything like that or what your thoughts are on that oh yeah i mean i feel the exact same way there's kind of a lot of pressure in watching a you know a feature film even if it's just an hour and a half um Mm -hmm. May, I, I think maybe I take it a little more seriously than I need to because, you know, I know a lot of people that are fine pausing a movie at any point and picking it up later in the week. Or yeah, And for me, it's just that if I'm going to watch something, I'm going to sit down and really experience it as one full piece so I really understand and really feel it. But, you know, I don't always have time for that or, you know, I do have time for that more often than I think I do, but I, I guess I would rather spend... Uh, you know, watching 10 videos on YouTube and then watching one movie sometimes without fully realizing it. So, yeah, I think I think maybe that results in people making things less challenging um, or less of a slow build than, um, you know, they used to in the past, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it does feel like in a lot of ways, the, the faster you can get people into the action, then maybe that's what... Uh, that's what really kind of like grabs the the zeitgeist. It's rare when something, you know, it takes a very long time to like, you know, this for the story to build for it to become kind of like a cultural, you know, a cultural moment. I think for me, part of it too, is just that this is going to make me sound really old, but back when I, you know, even rented movies from like, you know, Hollywood video or something like that. And if it was like, if it was like five minutes in and it seemed like, oh, this is going to be kind of boring, but it's like, but I went and rented this. Right. Like this is, I already put the time into this. I might as well finish this or a CD. Like if I buy a CD and it's like, oh, these first couple songs kind of suck, but I'm going to, you know, see this through because, uh, or I, I might even like not like it, but then I'll like come back to it in a few months. Cause I just like still have this CD or whatever. And it seems like it makes me feel like very old to say. And it's like, I know a lot of old people say this and it's a stereotype, but just like the, um instant gratification where like i can listen to like 10 song 10 seconds of a song on title and just be like ah eh, this isn't my thing and then just like move on and forget about it oh yeah because there's there's endless options out there now and you know it's it's easy for all of us to be like if it doesn't catch you immediately then it's uh you're on to the next thing but then i, I also just become paralyzed sometimes sometimes what seeing like you know thousands of options on whatever streamer and you know not knowing what to click so i just end up watching like you know house hunters or something instead (laughs) you know it's there's there's too many options um in certain ways my family and i have been watching jersey shore lately oh wow and uh it's it's very strange it's 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 a very strange concept of just like sticking people in a house and then have it just it just feels very like dystopian somehow very like truman show esque oh yeah absolutely um, i think it would be very different now if you were to do that too because it's uh i mean you know it wasn't even that long ago really in the scheme of things jersey shore but i don't they're know so, they're, they're still making it they're making uh they're making are they this this thing called family vacation it's like a it, it, it's all the original members but they're like coming they're back and they're old and parents and oh wow stuff like that so we get to watch their kids um become awful people (laughs) absolutely yeah um so going back to what you were saying that like you know something has to be kind of like 
the the the, the slow burn rather is like kind of less uh beneficial if you want to be part of the zeitgeist or whatnot if i was understanding you correctly yeah I, um I think, yeah, maybe that's that's just kind of my opinion as we uh as we riff here it feels like there's less space for that mm -hmm. do you film stuff accordingly do you kind of like have something in your head saying that like okay in this like first minute i have to really you know grab people yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I, I don't think I, I take it into consideration uh, specifically, but I do think it's like ingrained in my thinking to begin with. Um, and I mean, even into the ideas themselves, I think I go about, you know, like this Beanie Baby movie. It's not, you know, um, I'm not the first, I'm not the last person to like, you know, make something on the on the subject um so there is like a, a certain marketability to it that like you know i i have a bunch of ideas but the most marketable ones kind of rise to the top because people are interested in like funding those or making those ones happen um and so those yeah i guess maybe that's a little bit of a different answer but um yeah i do i do think like you know the the viewer is like uh, and their experience is completely present in every decision i make but the idea of wanting to do it to begin with is for me if that makes sense mm -hmm. yeah um no that totally makes sense um why did you choose beanie babies i think i was just interested in i mean you know a kid's toy it doesn't mean a whole lot to me but i was just interested in the why people were so obsessed with just this inanimate object um and what that says about us in terms of just groupthink and it like very rarely has there kind of been a frenzy like that over something so seemingly trivial on the surface mm -hmm. and so the like the 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 less significant the object and the bigger the craze the more interested I was in it from like, I don't know, almost an anthropological like sort of way. Like, what does this, what did this mean about those people? What does that mean about us today? Um, so yeah, I, it was, and there, I don't know, I just knew there'd be really fascinating people and there's still a community of people that collected them. So, mm -hmm. you know, like you, you saw, there's people in the documentary that have the world's biggest collection and like it's taken over their, their home um, completely um what does this mean for for us um yeah i mean it's a good question i i i think like that we we presented a bunch of different ideas i just think more than anything it's that we're just so susceptible to you know group think and wanting to be a part of something bigger than ourselves um regardless of what it is um it, it, you know, it gives us, it gives us purpose. Uh, you, you can, it's something that obviously people have like explored endlessly, but, you know, thousands of years ago, or uh, not even thousands, several hundred years ago, we were consumed by, you know, just like uh, our, our basic needs, food and water. And now that we have those solved, at least in like, you know, in the US for, for a lot of us, uh, you know, it's, we have to find other things to to give us purpose and keep us going and, and sometimes all that is is just a checklist of like you know the whatever you know toy iteration we need to fill the checklist um maybe that will um you know it, like the pursuit is 
kind of necessary, I think, for people, regardless of of what it is. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And I don't know as far as like people that are into things that are cute. Like I understand with like, you know, animals, for instance, like, you know, cute animals just filled me with joy. I don't know why. Like, I don't know like what that triggers like in the brain or whatnot, but I don't know if just like the cuteness of beanie babies, if like, you know, these grown adults, just like if it lets loose this like receptor in the brain that like gives them some sort of comfort. I don't really know how that works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think it started as that. And then it, um, for like the people, the very beginning that were pure enough to see it as that. And then it immediately became, um, you know, to some people just like the latest, um, the latest craze to make a buck on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, that, uh, what's his name? Ty. Um, yeah. Ty Warner. Yeah. Ty Warner. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's a fascinating story in and of itself. Yeah, he's a fascinating guy. Um, and we've heard like a lot of different opinions on him. Um, and I think he, you know, I think it's easy to also kind of like demonize him in certain ways. Because um, it's just, you know, it's such a, a more fun story in terms of like a tabloid perspective of being like the Beanie Baby guy, you know, is uh, some awful person. But yeah, I think he's really just extremely complex with certain trauma. And you're either on his team or you're not. Um, and that was kind of just the understanding we got um, on and off the record while making it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that was, that was, I think that came across like that, yeah, the, the like nuanced that. nature of it, I think came across in the movie. Yeah. Um, how long did it take you to make? How long did it take us? I mean, it was, it was a pretty quick process and like a tiny, tiny budget. Um, we filmed it over off and on over a couple months um and then i edited the, the thing myself um over maybe like three four months so i mean really from the moment that we kind of got the green light so to speak to it coming out i think was like a year process which is insane um but yeah i mean i i really went into the deep end on it so i was glad it was a relatively short process for something that size See, that's uh, why that that's why I think I wasn't cut out for this because you're I think you're saying a year like yeah it only took a year and me I'm thinking fuck yeah no I well yeah and I I think that's what for me makes a story worth going into is like I can I, I have a general understanding of how long something will take and if I mm -hmm. don't think I'll be equally into it by the end then I just know it's not going to end up being good because sure. my, my heart's not in it. Um, so yeah, I think like the that that's why I was excited for this because I was like, even if the even if the toy isn't my thing, it's like it's the people I find so interesting that are in the story, and I I know I'll be into it for you know this whole this whole experience. Um, are you particular with cameras? Um, in terms of like preferences, like you, you got to use this one in this oh. scenario or whatever. No, no. In fact, I mean, I'm really not. I, I hardly even know how to use a camera personally. I'm just, you know, I, I think I'm more of an idea person and I go into it with documentaries, of course, with a ton of questions and ideas and, and ideas for some shots too. But then whatever DP I'm working with, which is generally Saxon Richardson, who, you know, it, he filmed Funny World way back when. Like, oh, we yeah. still I remember together. Saxon. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we still work together. I mean, 80 90 percent of the time at least on my stuff um and he he shot the beanie baby documentary 
So, you know, like depending on the DP, I really, I kind of let them do their thing. And, you know, it, sometimes it's hard to put words into preferences, but I guess I know it uh, when I see it, if it's something that I like or I don't. Do you sketch out a good majority of it beforehand as far as like how you want shots to look or is a lot of it uh, or is more of it just kind of like, you know, when you're there, you figure it out? Yeah, it's I mean, like there's there's a certain like vibe we're going for to begin with. So, you know, like I do have an idea of, you know, what sort of lenses, how wide or how close, you know, we see if, if it's documentaries, right, like certain interviews, things of that nature. Um, and then we have an idea of our locations ahead of time. So we know what B-roll we want to shoot or, you know, what we need to fill in if we've already edited some of the project and we're just going back for some more, more shots. Mm -hmm. um, with, uh, yeah, I have like a clear idea aesthetically of like what I'm, what I'm going for with narrative stuff. I have, it's, it's more thought out for sure. Um, I have like a very distinct idea of how I want it to look, um, like I, I'm currently working on um, this summer, I think we're shooting a feature version of a short film of mine called Exit Statement. And I- Is that, is that the one where everybody's like in the in the cabin? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and so we're, yeah, we're gonna shoot that I think over June. Um, and, you know, for that, I have like, I think like 400, 500 screenshots from like movies and things of like, you know, I need to categorize them. So they make, you know, sense to whoever, you know, whatever the person is behind the camera. But I, I have an idea of the vibe and the look I'm going for and the feeling. And then I just kind of have to refine from there. Um, yeah. I feel like this is a very, uh, the, the, this question that I'm about to ask is, could just open up a whole can of worms and then it could take days to answer. But do you have kind of like set favorite tricks as far as like angles, bird's eye, child's eye, like different tricks that you use in order to kind of like manipulate the viewer in one way or another? Yeah. I mean, I think it, it I, there are certain things I find myself coming back to, but I think it, it so much of it has to do with the tone we're going for to begin with. So, I mean, if you're shooting something comedically, you, usually the wider, the the funnier it is, just as like a real thumb. So, and I think there's there is a lot of truth to it. So, um, you know, like if if you're gonna see some ridiculous slapsticky action, you kind of want to see it in its entirety, or like in contrast to the world surrounding them and how you know how different it is let's say this this okay. idiot, this idiot amongst all these other people it's like that's funnier than the context of that's funnier than for a close-up so yeah, you, want, you want the reactions too to like right exactly so so there's things like things like that i mean i have certain preferences that i usually err on the side of shooting things wider in general so um you know there's you know, instead of like a 50 millimeter, which, you know, again, I'm like hardly a camera or lens person, but that's generally like a safe, you know, a pretty standard uh, lens length that, you know, is, I think it's similar to the human eye. Um, mm -hmm. I think, don't quote me, something like that. Um, I, I generally like to go wider, wider on like shots of people, even like tight close-ups. I would rather be shooting on like a 30 to a 35 um which you know like i know the coen brothers do right it's, it's just more of like an all-encompassing you're getting more of the background you're seeing them in contrast there's something it's just it's just like preferences really but mm -hmm. uh, 
yeah, I don't know that I have any tricks. I think it just all depends on on the project. And yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think, I guess I take pride in a certain level of versatility, regardless of format, and just hope that like, what I can bring to the table, some level of understanding of the story and and taste that we can like, make it really, really great. And that make, makes sense even with like the Paul Thomas Anderson influence you brought up earlier, like those like wider, especially when like someone's moving. Yeah. Being, like those wide shots so you can get everything in the background. Like that totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when, when you, especially I think when you're younger and you're into movies, like the, the bigger the set piece, the more impressive it feels. Mm -hmm. And then at least speaking for myself, I think over time I've started to appreciate filmmakers like him. They're more quiet movies. So they're just like really refined and they're less, you know, like, visibly uh you know uh, like these insane spectacles and they're just like really perfected smaller little stories um so yeah yeah um how do you edit like what do you use um i use adobe premiere um yeah i like that um yeah, you know, I know, I think, uh, I, I know people that use a, a ton of different things, but I, I just find Premiere, um, most people I know use that. So it's just easier to like, for transferring stuff between each other. What is the deal with documentaries and how most recently I've noticed that the En Vogue thing with like documentaries is like these uh, interviewee looking head on yeah. into, into the camera? um you i noticed in in beanie bubble like you're 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 keeping it like more old school like you're having everybody like look slightly off mm -hmm. um do you have any any thoughts on that yeah i mean i think it it's definitely like in style right now i mean i think arrow morris kind of made that popular in the maybe the early 80s or so i think he might start doing that when you're using like you know this Interatron device, I think they call it. Um, yeah, I think like I think it's really you know effective uh, depending on the project. I mean, it, it connects the the person speaking in theory with the person watching. Um, mm -hmm. But it's kind of like depending on the scale of what you're making, it's like it's kind of a hassle to throw together. I mean that that was something like we were working so so nimbly on you know this uh beanie baby movie that we were like let's not even think about that let's just like focus on let's just have a conversation with the person not try and create some sort of emotional experience between you know these screens so that we're able to look at each other let's just mm -hmm. actually talk to each other and mm -hmm. you know the camera it, it will it will work itself out in the end well thank you so much for for joining me today is there hey. is there anything else you you want to share about anything about anything um no i don't think so i think we did a pretty good job about uh just riffing about uh you know all this stuff so it's felt good to to catch up i'm glad we could yeah i think we did a good job too yeah i think i think we did it we did okay i feel all right mm -hmm.